Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Welcome back to Growing in Grace. I'm glad you're listening today, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you about one of my favorite topics, mercy. I want to share the marvels of mercy. I feel like Psalm 103, verses 7 through 18, just unpacks mercy in such a wonderful way. You know, uh, we know that David wrote it. It says at the top of uh, Psalm 103 that it was written by David, but it's not clear when he wrote it. But I thought that um, Spurgeon had such a good insight when he said that the depth of David's psalm here makes him believe, Spurgeon believe, that David wrote this later in his life. He seemed so seasoned when he talked about God's unending love, God's mercy, God's grace, and so forth. And I do pray that as you're going through life, that you're not only growing in grace, but you're also growing in the understanding of God's mercy. And so it's just a wonderful uh, truth that we can get to know. And what I also think is wonderful about Psalm 103 is that David is not making any requests. He's not asking God for anything. He's just thanking God for what he's already given. He's just praising the Lord for what he's already done. And that's what I see when you start out with Psalm 103, verses 1 through 6, it almost reminds me of a benefit package that one receives whenever he's, you know, exploring a new job, he's thinking about it, he's considering it. So he wants to know what's the benefit package. And so anyway, if you want to know what the benefit is of living for the Lord, man, just read the first six verses of this one and it'll, it'll blow you away. But what will even blow you away even further, even more, is when you go beyond that and you start in verse 7 and you just realize the incredible attributes of God. He's just awesome. If you don't know the Lord, oh, I just encourage you, get to know Him. You know, I love the work that A.W. Tozer wrote. It's a two-volume set called The Attributes of God. A few years ago, on a Sunday night, uh, we went through each Sunday night, we would have a different attribute of God. And the congregation, myself, we just really were so blessed, not trying to learn some how-to type message from God's Word, you know, and they're okay, but just looking at God's Word and saying, Lord, lift the veil. Let me see who you are. I like what um, A.W. Tozer wrote about mercy. This is a quote from him. He says, as I said about the other attributes of the deity, mercy is not something God has, but something God is. If mercy was something God had, conceivably, God might mislay it or use it up. It might become less or more. 
But since it is something that God is, then we must remember that it is uncreated. The mercy of God did not come into being. The mercy of God always was in being. For mercy is what God is, and God is eternal, and God is infinite. There has been a lot of careless teaching that implies that the Old Testament is a book of severity and law, and the New Testament is a book of tenderness and grace. But do you know that while both the Old Testament and the New Testament declare the mercy of God, the word mercy appears in the Old Testament over four times more often than in the New. That's a bit hard to believe, but it's true. The popular idea is a great error because the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New is one God. He did not change. He's the same God, and being the same God and not changing, He must therefore necessarily be the same in the Old as He is in the New. He is immutable, and because he's perfect, he cannot be added to. God's mercy was just as great in the Old Testament as it was and is in the New. I love that. I want to share with you from the Old Testament, from Psalm 103. Let me read these verses and make a few comments about the marvels of mercy. I think you'll agree. It's marvelous. He made known his ways to Moses is acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, His days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And his place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to his children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Isn't that great? Let me just kind of go through this just a little bit and we'll push the pause button every now and then and just let you really think about this. But I have five different observations on how marvelous mercy is. The first one is found in verses seven and eight. I couldn't help but think about the manifestation of mercy. Do you know that we wouldn't know for a fact that God was merciful unless he revealed it to us. And so that's part of what I was thinking about. I thought, okay, the manifestation of mercy definitely includes the revelation of his attributes, but also because he did it scripturally, because he did it over a long period of time, 
to different generations, we also have a record of his actions. That's how we know that God is merciful. For example, if you were to interview Moses, I think he would definitely say, oh yeah, we saw, we saw how marvelous he was. He wrote, Moses that is, wrote in Exodus 34.10, before all your people, I will do marvels such as has not been created in all the earth or in any nation. Isn't that wonderful that God is saying to Moses, I'm going to make a name for myself during your day, during your generation. That's why he says here in Psalm 103, verse 7, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. He made it known by his actions. But also it says the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Do you know that that's not the first time that's been written? No, it almost sounds exactly what God said, what God revealed to Moses in Exodus 34, 6. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Wow, it's just so incredible that God is merciful. I kind of feel like one of Job's friends in Job 5, 9, when he says of God that he does great things beyond searching out marvelous things beyond number. Can you number all the times God's been merciful to you? I just thought, wow, I don't think I can number them. That's why it's marvelous. Do you know that actually the word marvel is used 43 times in the Bible? It's just always people marveling over who God is and what he's done. So I would say definitely the fact that he manifested himself as marvelous, that's great. But there's a second thing we are to consider. What does it mean to be merciful? The meaning of mercy, what is that? You know, verses 9 and 10 hint at it. It says, he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. That's almost precisely what I've always been taught. I remember when I was in seminary and when I was in in Bible school at college, I remember so many times hearing mercy is when God does not give us what we deserve. Grace, on the other hand, is when God gives us what we don't deserve. And so I'm thinking, oh, I'm so glad he doesn't give me what I do deserve. That's definitely mercy. And that's what verses 9 and 10 is talking about. Because what it's saying is, Because of what Jesus Christ has done, there's this possibility of reconciliation. You know, the New Testament tells us that we're at enmity with God, that we're not where we need to be. But because of Christ's atonement, through Christ, we can actually have peace with God. Now listen to verse 9 again with that in mind. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. When will his anger be put away? I'll tell you exactly when his anger was put away. When he poured it out on his son, Jesus, who died on the cross for us. Isn't that incredible? Because he did, there's a possibility of all of us being reconciled to him. But there's also this incredible possibility of redemption. You see, there were three words that were used in the Old Testament for redeem. 
the word pada, the word gaal, and the word kapar. Kapar meant to cover, to atone. Pada meant a substitute. And gaal meant to deliver by a payment. Do you know that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid off the debt? That's why he's saying he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Why doesn't he repay us? Because Jesus already paid the debt that we owed. Man, that's fabulous news. I love that news. But I love the meaning of mercy. It means that a guilty person like me can be pardoned and forgiven and cleansed as though I'd never sinned. And so can you, friend. That's why I want you to know the good news that's found only in Christ. Let me move to the third uh, marvel that I see in this passage, and that is the measurement of mercy. You ever use a tape measure? I just love tape measures. I don't know, there's something about them. I like those that are really stiff so I can put it way out there and say, well, let's just see how long this piece of board is, you know, and you measure stuff. But if you were to measure mercy, how long would your tape measure need to be? Hmm, I bet you never thought about that. I hadn't thought about it until I got to reading this passage. And I thought, okay, the context is the mercy of God, the grace of God, you know, the patience of God, the love of God. So here's what he says. He says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So if you're going to get your tape measure out and measure mercy, it's going to have to be mighty long, wouldn't you think? Yeah, it's going to have to be pretty long. I'll tell you why. Because the sun is the closest star we know that's up there in the heavens, and the sun is 93 million miles away. Will your tape measure reach that way? You know what? Mine won't either. I'm kind of dead in the water on that one. But then I'm thinking, wait a minute. Pluto is 4.67 billion miles away from Earth. So now if I'm going to go as high as the heavens, how high does it go? I mean, well, if we're going to go all the way out there into space and go to the sun and go to Pluto, then it's going to have to be at least 4.67 billion miles you know, long. But then the other one I'd noticed was they found a galaxy named GN-Z11. They found it through the Hubble Space Telescope, NASA did, on March the 3rd, 2016. And what they say is that this, this galaxy that we can't see with our eye, but it's out there, is 13.4 billion, get this, light years away. 13.4 billion light years away. You know, uh, light travels at 6 trillion miles per year. And so just think what 13.4 billion light years would, would be like. I mean, you know what God's trying to tell you and me? He's trying to say vertically, it's an impossibility to measure how, my, how, how vast my mercy is. But he's also using the horizontal dimension, and it's impossible as well. I mean, the circumference of the earth, with what I read was, is 24,901 miles. Well, that's a long ways. But if you think about it, the way he says it, 
as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know, if you just kept going, you would always be going west. But it's just incredible how you go west, you go east, whichever direction you pick, but they don't meet. You could just keep going forever and ever. But anyway, I just thought the measurement of mercy is off the scale. So that's a marvel to me. The meaning of marvel, that I can be forgiven, that's a marvel to me. That's what mercy is all about. And it's just wonderful, the manifestation of mercy, that he revealed it. What if he kept it to himself? What if he didn't want to tell us that he was a merciful God? We would never know, but he chose to reveal it in Scripture, to reveal it in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's go, fourthly, to the motivation toward mercy, the motivation toward mercy. What is it that is within the heart of God that makes him motivated to move in the direction of mercy? Well, when I read verses 13 and 14, I thought, that's it, isn't it? As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, He remembers that we are dust. Well, two observations about his motivation toward mercy. The first one would be compassion for his children. As a father pities his children, some translations say, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Uh, I like the way the ESV describes it, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. You know, I believe that God just loves us. We're his creation. You see, something changes whenever someone does not know that there is a personal creator who designed them, who made them, who cares about them. That's why everybody was created by God. Each person is precious and very valuable to him. And just like a father cares for those children, has compassion on them, That's the same way the Lord wants to look toward us, especially those who put their faith and trust in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But then I saw in verse 14, something else that I think motivates God toward mercy. You know, if he wasn't merciful, you know where I'd be now? I'd be nothing because he could have destroyed me already for all the mistakes and all the bumbling that I've done in my life and continue to do in my life. But verse 14 says, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He knows, he knows how frail we are. And so that's why he's very careful. He's very cautious with the way he treats us and with his creation, because one word from his lips and we're gone. I mean, we're not even a challenge for the Lord God, the Almighty. So I'm just thinking, thank you, God, for just your motivation toward mercy. I don't understand it, but it's only the only way he could say it in a way that I can understand it because I have two daughters. He said, I love you like you love your two daughters. And so I'm just thinking, you know what? If they needed me, I would go to, I would go to any length to try to help them the best that I could. Well, that's how God feels that same compassion. But he also knows he made us from dust. So 
He can make us go back to dust in just a second. Dust to dust, ashes to ashes. That's what we pastors sometimes say when we're at a funeral, we're at the, the graveside service. But all I'm saying is, isn't it wonderful that the motive of his heart is in the direction of mercy because he cares, because he wants to be careful with us, because the least little thing from him as the Almighty, and we would be no more. But also I think, well, you know what? He's merciful. And how can we measure someone who's merciful like he is? We can't. That's why he says, go ahead and try. You better get a tape measure that can reach all the way to the top of the heavens. You better get a tape measure that can measure the distance from east to west. Well, those are impossible. That's why the, the meaning of mercy is incredible. Knowing that God has made redemption. He paid the price so that we can be reconciled to his son. And to know that God doesn't hold all of this information secret and private, but through scripture, through giving his son to come to this earth, God reveals to us something. Through Christ, he reveals, I care about you, creation. I want you to be in my family. I want you to be in heaven. On this earth, you're going to get weak. You're going to die eventually. But in heaven, there's no more crying. There's no more sickness. There's no more death. All those kind of things are gone. That's the mercy of God, his heart moving in our direction. But one last closing thought in these final verses, 15 through 18, and that is the maintenance of mercy. What if God was merciful, but then he just kind of ran out of mercy? Is that possible? Well, A.W. Tozer told us a little bit later, nope, he is not going to run out of mercy because it's who he is. He can't use it all up. Perhaps you may sometimes feel the weight of your own sin the way that I do. And maybe you did a lot of things in high school or college or whenever that you feel so terrible about, and it still wants to tag you. But I want you to know, you can't empty out God's mercy. No way. Even an atheist, even someone who doesn't believe in God, doesn't even believe in God's existence, they can't exhaust the mercy of God. That's why they're still breathing, because God provided air. That's why they still have water, because God gives rain. You know, I'm just thinking to myself, thank you, Lord, that you're so merciful and that you maintain that mercy. And so that's what I thought when I looked at uh, these verses. Would you say that your mercy uh, is, is forever and ever? I wouldn't say mine is either. It's, it's possible that I could be pushed to my limits, but God doesn't have a limit like that. And here's what he says about us. He says, you know what? Man, his days are like grass. He flowers like a, he flourishes like a flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it's gone, and it places no knows and its place knows it no more. But he says, it's like contrasting, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children and to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Wow. You know, it's like the contrast of mercy with the brevity of man is incredible when you think about it. 
Can you think of anything on your body that's going to last forever? I can't think of anything. When I was younger, I had blonde hair. I'm not going to tell you what color my hair is now. (laughs) I bet you could guess. But the contrast of mercy, not only with the brevity of man, that's amazing, but then you contrast man with the longevity of mercy. So see, he was contrasting mercy with the brevity of man, but now these last couple of verses, he's going to contrast man with the longevity of mercy. What is the longevity of mercy? When will it end? What generation? Is it already used up? No, friend. Steadfast love of the Lord, he says, is from everlasting to everlasting. Wow. It's there for you. It'll be there for generations as long as we have generations. Uh, But I wanted to close with one example. Sometimes it's like, tell me what mercy is really like. I'll tell you what it's like. I could tell you from my own life, but let me tell you from Scripture. You'll never forget this if you've never heard it. John 8, verses 1 through 11. They went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that marvelous when you see mercy like that? You know, Jesus was the only one that was worthy of throwing some stones. Jesus was the only one that had never sinned. So had he wanted to, he would have been justified in um, condemning this woman. But instead, you know what he did? He had mercy. You know why he had mercy on her? You guessed it, because he is mercy. That's who he is. Wow. I know that we like to marvel at the superheroes, Captain America and Iron Man and Spider-Man and Hulk and Thor and all of these people. But let me tell you something I think we should really marvel at. Marvel at, at the Lord. He is incredible. And I think one reason he's incredible is because of his mercy. Well, thank you again for uh, listening today. Let me close us in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for just being a God of mercy, for being a God of grace, for being a God of love. 
but also for being a God of holiness and righteousness, being a God of justice. I'm so glad for exactly who you are. I choose to adjust my life to who you are. I want to grow to become more like you. That's why, Lord, we wanted to call our broadcast Growing in Grace. Please help all of us to grow in grace and to grow in the knowledge of who God is, especially knowing that you are mercy. Thank you again, Lord, for this time that we've shared together. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, thank you so much again for coming to Growing in Grace. I'm so glad you were listening. I pray that the message blessed you. I pray that this week you'll never forget that God is mercy. He is merciful. That's just simply who He is. What a great God. You have a great week as you put your mind upon Him. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.